What's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo, and I'm your host. And I have Mr. Justin Mills with me here again today. We had some exciting picks yesterday where we got into some action-packed stuff where Jacob was scheming. He got his name changed to Israel. God is developing Jacob. And we talked about this just like he develops us. And we're going to see Jacob, now Israel, be developed further. That was some good stuff yesterday, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Without further ado, let's hop into the next three chapters, Genesis 34 through 36. And we have a very sobering text here. I don't know if you remember, but I said, mark the name Dana. She comes back up here in 34. And I'll just start the text off by reading it. Now, Dana, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to visit the daughters of the land. And it says in verse 2, that when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he took her and laid with her by force. And so I brought this up over and over again, that there's always an attack on the sea, whether through trying to destroy the sea. We saw that in Genesis 4, right, with Abel, where you see our first murder. But then another one is, if you can't beat them, join them. You try to intermingle and intermarry with the sea. And we saw that over and over again. You see it with Abimelech. You see it with the Pharaoh. Now you see it again here. Because this rape, this forceful act takes place. Guess what they're going to try to do? Bro, they're going to try to intermarry with this line. And we pick up. Let's pick up in verse 5. It says, now Jacob heard that he had defiled Dana, his daughter, but his sons were with the livestock in the field. So J Jacob kept silent until they came in. But look at their request. Let's hop down to verse 8. It says, But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Look at what he says in verse 9. Enter Mary with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. You gotta see something more sinister going on there. And I always tell you, you never see anything more drastic in scripture when the seed is being threatened. And we'll see it, I'll try to, my best to point this out as best as I can, and we see it here. So there's some scheming that takes place here, but it does stop this plot. And so what is the scheming that takes place? So they come with this request, and then in verse 13, I'll read 13 to 17, and I'll let you help unpack that for us, okay? Yeah. All right. But Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father Hamor with deceit. Because he had defiled Dana, their sister, they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition, we will give consent to you if you will become like us in that every male of you be circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters for ourselves. We will live with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughters and go. I'll give a little summation to what happened after this. They see these words as pleasing. They do this. And when they're down, now circumcision is a very intense act, as we know, 
But think about an archaic form of circumcision and not just a child on the eighth day, a grown adult being circumcised. Talk to me about that. What, what kind of state would that put these people in? Man, they would be completely handicapped. I'm pretty sure they were acting out of some revenge, but they also, I think they understood, it says in uh, verse 14, they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a, a disgrace to us. They said that to those people, but they really meant it. Oh, for sure. For sure, bro. And, and like you said, this surgery, this is an excruciating surgery. Yeah. And this surgery would put them down. But they listen, they do it. Verse 24 says they did it. But check out verse 25. Now it came about on the third day when they were in pain that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dana's brothers, each took his sword and came upon the city unawares and killed every male. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the edge of the sword and took Dana from Shechem's house. And Jacob's sons came upon the slain and looted the city because they had defiled their sisters. Talk to me about that, bro. The city is down. They've obeyed the word of Jacob's son. This is going to come back to hunt them. And this is what we talk about all the time. Even while man is scheming, God is redeeming. God had made a prophecy that Jacob would get the blessing. The older would serve the younger. But they're scheming and sinning, but God is still bringing them forth the blessing. Even here, they're trying to in intermingle and attack the sea, which is wrong. But Simeon and Levi are scheming. Why do you think that happens in human history so much that even though we're doing the right thing, we got a scheme to get to it? It's our nature. We're no. born with it. No, that's good. I do got a question, though. What do you think about the spokesperson that convinced all these people to do this? Who is that? Talk to me about that. <laughs> Man, he must have been a smooth talker. He to say, <laughs> hey, all right, guys, this is what we're going to go do. We're going to go, the whole town's going to go get circumcised. And, uh, it didn't seem like there was much pushback. They were all in. I guess if you was amongst the camp, you would have a few words to say. Now, I'd be sick that day. <laughs> You're probably <calling it> sick. <laughs> Verse 29, and they captured and looted all of their wealth and their little ones and their wives, even all that was in their houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me odious amongst the inhabitants of the land, amongst the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And my men, being few in number, will gather together against me and attack me, and I will be destroyed. I and my household. But they said, should we treat our sister like a harlot? And the beautiful thing here is Jacob's fear did not come to pass. Why? Because God is with them, bro. You see, even though they're scheming, Jacob's afraid. The same Jacob that was afraid that Esau would do what? Take him out. That fear, that unfounded fear, I mean, it's founded. It could have ended in that way because that's logical fear. But God has these people's back, and you don't see it come to pass. And after that, then God said to Jacob, arise. We're in 35, go to Bethel and live there and make an altar there to God. Remember, Bethel, we talked about this is the place of sacrifices right now. Because Bethel means Bethel, house of God. Go there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob and his household and all those who were with, with him put away the foreign gods which were among you and purify yourselves and change your garments and let us arise and go to Bethel 
and I will make an altar before God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I've gone. The idol that has come in, we even talked about one that snuck in under the hip of a, a pretty young lady who he made his wife, and now they've grown, and there's so many idols here, but he's obedient. He said, let's clean house. Verse 5, they journeyed, and a great terror was upon the cities which were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Beautiful. His fear did not come to pass right there in the text. And so we get a few deaths, bro. There, there are three deaths here. Even one in verse 8. Now, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. That's one death. And we'll talk about some more deaths as we walk on through this chapter. But before we get to that, let's talk about verse 10. What does God say to him? He says, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. God, God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from you. Bro, that word come from you means out of your own body. Out of your own body, kings will come from you and nations will come from you. Even the seed will come out of your own body. And so God is saying here, we finally get his name changed because that happened when they were wrestling and God touched his hip socket. And he said, your name will be Israel. Stop scheming. You're no longer Jake. Stop striving against me. I fight for you. Look at the story. The whole time I've been fighting for you. Stop scheming. And he says it again, Jacob, enough. You are Israel. I fight for you. Stop scheming. And I think we finally got our guy. I think he's finally arrived. What do you think? No, absolutely. I think about Jacob, the whole story we've read about Jacob, just like you were saying, he's 100% of the time, anything comes up, he's operating in fear yeah. every time. But that doesn't affect God. Man. His fear doesn't affect God. It affects Jacob. It causes them to scheme, causes them to do these stupid things. But God's on a mission, and we see him on a mission. His plans carried out, it, uh, it affects him zero. Man, that's so good. And as we continue into our second death, we get a sad death. His favorite woman, man, the one he put at the back of the line <laughs> that he didn't want to get touched, she dies. And that happens in verse 16. So it's a, something significant is happening here, too. So it says, Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, do not fear, for now you will have another son. It came about as her soul was departing, for she died. She named him Ben-Ani, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephathra, which that is Bethlehem. We just heard another name. We heard king of Salem, Jerusalem. Now we get another name drop of Bethlehem. And so we won't develop that much here for the sake of time, but that's very important when, when we're talking about the seed. But Rachel dies, but let's do grab this. The 12 tribes are fully formed now. So we get Benjamin here, and now you have your 12. Now something else is going to happen with Joseph we'll see later, and we'll talk about that, and we'll lay that and fix our 12 tribes. But right now you have the 12 set the 12 sons, and we continue on through our chapter. In verse 22, it says, 
it came about why Israel, bro, we got the name change now, and the text is starting to refer to him as Israel. And I think that that clue that our, our God, we got our God now, and he's fully developed, was dwelling in the land that Reuben went and laid with Bilhah, his concubine, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. So that's significant. Why is that significant? In this culture, you assert your dominance by laying with one of your father's concubines. What you're effectively saying is, I'm the next king. I'm the next patriarch. I have next right to the, I'm the next heir. That's why, do you remember when David was on his deathbed, one of his sons with his concubine before Solomon came to power? And you had this tug of war of power, and David has to say, no, he will be king. Solomon will be king, not Adonijah. And so what's happening here is the same thing. Reuben is a wannabe, and we're going to see that in the text, that he's a wannabe. He's not the rightful king, but he's asserting his dominance here. And you have to see that he's trying to show his rights as the firstborn. Did you want to say something there? No, you answered the question. I was trying to make sure I heard you right, that he was the firstborn. He was, yeah. In fact, you see it here right in verse, at the end of 22, it says, Now there were 12 sons of Jacob, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, right there. Then Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Zebulun and the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, and the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maid, Dan and Naphtali, and the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maid, Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob. And so those are the, the 12 sons. And this is our third death, verse 29. Isaac breathed his last breath, and he died, and gathered to his people an old man of right age, and his son Esau and Jacob buried him. And so in verse 36, we're going to wrap up here. It talks about the generations of Esau. And we won't spend the time naming all of these names. But we one thing that we do have to state is that now these are the Toledot, the generations of Esau, that is Edom. And so we know that the Edomites flow from Esau. And this is interesting to me. You remember when the prophecy that there will be two nations in your womb? This is coming to fulfillment because what are the two nations? We just saw the first nation from Jacob, which is Israel. Now we're seeing the second nation from Esau, which is the Edomites. And here's the beautiful thing. Esau reconciled with Jacob. They loved each other, but not so much with their children, bro. The Edomites do not love Israel. And there's going to be war. From here on out, verse two, it says Esau took from the daughters of who? Canaan. Canaan, Canaan the Canaanites. And that he was not obedient. He intermarried just like God just shut this down in the chapter before us. It happened with Esau and God didn't shut it down. Why didn't he intervene like he did with Jacob? Because he wasn't of the line of the seed. And we'll see that more even in chapter 38, which is a, a weird chapter for most people. Because it's a story of Judah and Tamar just smacked into the middle of the text. And nobody ever seems to know how to explain it. But we're wrapping up with chapter 38. And there's a long list of the descendants of Esau. And we get to see again, you talked about this isn't the line of the seed. But it's named here in scripture. And again, you said that's for our benefit as well. So we can see 
where enmity is going. Man, so faithful. Even in 36, verse 43, it says, the father of the Edomites. That's the closing title of the genealogy, which shows the Lord's words to Rebecca that she will birth two nations. And we see the faithfulness of God in those two nations being birthed. And we'll end there, my guy. Until next time.